So as I said before, there's a pause in the middle of this verse. And it's actually there in English. There's a period. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Period. We're used to a pause when there's a period in the middle of a sentence. And it's like that in the original too. There's a little marker that's, that's there. And it's a pause. And there's a reason why we're only covering one verse this afternoon. Because actually we could read all the way to chapter 2 and verse 10, uh, chapter 1 and verse 17, all the way to chapter 2 and verse 10. Those verses hang together because this is actually Jesus' point. Jonah is in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. But in chapter 2 and verse 10, we read the, the Lord spoke to the fish and had vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah is actually delivered from the very threshold of death. He's delivered by means of being vomited out of this fish. So we could read all the way to chapter 2 and verse 10. But why are we pausing here at verse 17? Why take this little pause that's, that's this period in our, in our sentence that's a little marker in the, in the original and pause? It's because of something mighty that happened in those three days and three nights that Jonah was in the belly of the fish. And something mighty that happened when the Lord Jesus was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Something happened that was a turning point in our experience as Christians. And so we need to consider this. We need to think about what has happening as uh, the Lord has prepared this great fish to swallow Jonah. The word prepared is very important. It's a word that appears for the first time here in the book of Jonah. And it's going to appear three more times in chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. That word prepared means that God had designed for this fish to deliver Jonah. It was a particular deliverance of Jonah. He delivers him again in chapter 4 and verse 6. But the other two times that the word is used, God is teaching. And there's something that happens in Jonah in this chapter, chapter 2, as a result of this experience that Jonah has in this fish. God is actually teaching Jonah. He's not only delivering him from death, he's teaching him. There's something that Jonah is going to learn. Jonah is going to be different by the end of chapter 2. Jonah is going to go to Nineveh. But there's more. Jonah begins to be thankful. And Jonah, at the beginning of chapter 2, begins to pray. It's the first time that Jonah's prayed. God is doing something inside this fish. And so God was doing something in the history of redemption in your life, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, when Jesus was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The Bible says that you were buried with Jesus Christ. And that, according to Romans 6, is the burial of our old sinful nature. God was doing something mysterious and quiet in the grave when the Lord Jesus Christ was in that grave. And that's why we pause. We pause because we know that Jesus is saying that the sign of Jonah is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Reflected in that 
appearance of Jonah from the belly of the whale as he went to Nineveh, says someone had been delivered from a whale or a big fish. We don't actually know what type of a fish it was. But there's something that happened in that mysterious quiet of the grave. And that's why it's important that we pause here in this story of Jonah. That's why it's important that we that we consider what's happening because all of the action stops. It's been a very wild chapter, chapter one. But all of a sudden, everything slows down and we move into poetry. And one man confessed that as he was reading the book of Jonah, he was tempted to skip chapter two because it's just poetry. He liked a fast moving story, but poetry. But what Jonah is saying as Jonah begins to pray is something that he has learned from the living God inside the belly of this great fish. And that's why it's important that we pause and we consider what's happening. First of all, as a great fish, the word great is used throughout the book of Jonah. It's almost like a comic book. It's so big. Everything is so big. The action is so fast. God is able to hurl a, a storm on the sea. The sailors are hurling the cargo into the sea. They finally hurl Jonah into the sea. Great things happen. It's a great city that they're going to. But this fish is great. This is a big fish that has been prepared by God. Prepared by God, not only to save Jonah's life, but also to teach him something. The great fish swallows Jonah. A lot of times people use that, that word and they, and they say, well, you know, swallow. That's used in certain places in the Bible where it talks about the judgment of the exile. But this word swallow... It's a very amazing word. It's a word that shows that Jonah has been brought into the very insides of this fish. It's almost like a womb. If you look at the, the way that the, the words uh, appear, it's like a womb. It's a place where Jonah is going to receive instruction. He's going to come out different. He's going to come out new. So God, the one who authored life, the one who caused us to be born in our, in our mother's wombs, is now causing Jonah to be delivered in the very heart of a whale, the belly of this whale, like he's in a womb. This whale swallowed Jonah. There's been a lot of uh, ink spilled and a lot of movies made about what it's like to be inside a whale. You see Pinocchio, you see all kinds of different, you know, the VeggieTales movie, everything, you know, an attempt to show what it's like to be inside the belly of this fish. We know that there are digestive juices. We know that it was probably very dark, very wet, very uncomfortable for Jonah for three days. But the thing that we need to remember as we have seen the action so far, as we've seen what God has been doing, is that God has actually stopped Jonah right before he reaches the penalty of sin, the final penalty, death. 
in God's judgment. In fact, that you would think that Jonah is expecting this. He's an Old Testament prophet. He knows that God is able to judge his enemies. He knows that God is able to bring about judgment for sin and that that judgment includes death. The Bible tells us in in Romans chapter 3 that the wages of sin is death. So why isn't Jonah dead? One of the questions that Jonah could be asking himself as he's inside the belly of this great fish. Why am I not dead? By the time we get to the end of chapter 3, Jonah is going to be thankful that, I mean chapter 2, he's going to be thankful that he's not dead. In fact, he says quite clearly, salvation is of the Lord in verse 9. He realizes that he's been saved. And Jonah, for whatever he thinks about the Ninevites being saved, he's very, very thankful when he's being saved in the book of Jonah. Jonah recognizes that he's been saved from death. A death that he brought upon himself if God were to let him go because he was all the way down, as he tells us in chapter 2, to the threshold of the underworld. He's on the very at the very point of death. He's been sinking down, down, down. We've seen that word in, in chapter 1. Jonah goes all the way down to death, but he's saved. He's saved by God inside the belly of this great fish. And it's important that we pause. It's important that we consider what's going on because God is actually showing us something in this tremendous event. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's language that's used uh, in 1 Samuel 30, verses 11 and 12, to talk about uh, a man who was uh, very, very weak because he had eaten no bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. 1 Samuel 30, verse 12. It's also language that's used to speak of resurrection. In Hosea chapter 6, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he is torn, but he will heal us. He is stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. When Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection, Jesus is talking about a period of time that the Jewish people knew. This is a period of time in which this man in 1 Samuel 30 is on the threshold of death because he hasn't had any bread or water for three days and three nights. Now, someone can survive for longer than that, but the point that uh, we need to understand here is that Jonah is on the threshold of death. He's in that whale, that great fish, I should say, for a very long time. It's not like he can open the refrigerator. It's not like he can call for a pizza. It's not like he even has anything immediately available that he can eat. Jonah is alone, hungry, tired, 
cramped and he's with God. Jonah who has tried to run from God. And in this way, we find out as we read further on in chapter 2 that Jonah has learned about his relationship with the living God. He's learned that God is merciful. He's learned that God is powerful. And he's learned that God has saved him, even in spite of himself. Jonah didn't want to go where he was told to go. Jonah didn't want to preach the message he was told to preach until God brought this fish to swallow him. It's a place of teaching. Sometimes when, when uh, children are being raised, they, they uh, are told by their, their parents or their teachers they have to go to timeout. And the goal of time out is to, is to sit in a place and think. It's not always what happens. But children are, are, are told, sit in that place and think about what you did, what you said. And when it's successful, when someone actually does think, they begin to realize things. And the time out is, is useful. Now, as, as earthly parents, we are... We are not always successful in our attempts to get children to think while they are in time out. But we're talking about the living God. And we're talking about one who has actually made this man to be a prophet. And God is able to make him think. Jonah begins to think. And Jonah ends up saying salvation is from the Lord. Jonah is thankful for the fact that he's been delivered. Jonah begins to change. Not in every way. We find out in chapter 4 that Jonah still has a lot of anger. That Jonah doesn't really care about the Ninevites after all. He only cares about himself and his people. But Jonah has changed. Make no mistake. Jonah has changed. Because God has placed him in this fish's belly. And he's changed something. And I want you to know something. When the Lord Jesus went to the cross and he was buried in that tomb and he was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, this period of time, the Lord Jesus was the means by which God was doing something with your old nature. He was exchanging your old nature for the nature of Jesus Christ. The righteousness found in Jesus Christ. That's what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us. That the, uh, 21, excuse me. The Lord Jesus Christ, in that dark place, was trading your old nature for his nature. In a very powerful way, in a, in a quiet way, in a way that we maybe don't quite appreciate. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now imagine these keys are my 
old sinful nature. The Lord Jesus Christ takes them. And what he gives in return is his righteousness. That's what's happening inside the grave. Even before the Lord Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and you're declared righteousness, declared righteous, even before the declaration that you are righteous in God's sight is made, the Lord Jesus Christ is taking on your sinful nature. Who went into time out? Who was experiencing what Jonah experienced? It's the Lord Jesus Christ on your behalf. The Lord Jesus Christ was the means by which your old nature was buried. That's what Romans 6 tells us. And that's worth pausing and considering. Because when we run too fast to the resurrection and we remember that we have a new nature, we get all excited and we're very happy that we have a new nature. But we also need to remember that our old nature has been taken away. If we remember that, if we remember what God did in the heart of the earth through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was in that grave, we remember that this sign of Jonah is a truly powerful sign. Because there's something that you and I could not do that God could do through Jesus Christ. And that is exchange our old nature for a new one. And it's very, very important to the gospel message that we focus on the new nature that we've been given in Jesus Christ. But it's also very important that we focus on the old nature that has been done away with. And so the Bible says it in very clear terms in a, in a place like uh, Colossians chapter 3. It tells us that the old nature has been done away with so that we might uh, live in a different way. This is how it's put. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The Bible says you died. Your old nature died. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Past tense. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. You have been given a new nature and your old nature has already died. That's why when you see remnants of your old nature around, you recognize that that's not you. 
And that is to be put to death. You see what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished in that tomb is a teaching lesson for all of our life. It's to show us that the old nature is gone and the new nature has come. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this pause. We thank you for the opportunity that we have had to consider the way that you taught Jonah in the belly of a great fish. We don't know what it was like. We don't know what that fish smelled like. We don't know what that fish uh, felt like to him. We're very curious. But we do know that you taught him. We, to- we know that you caused him to change inside the belly of that great fish. We know that you caused him to change in a way that matches the way in which you caused us to change. But when you caused us to change, you did it in an even better way. You accomplished this way before we were even born in the tomb and in the grave of Jesus Christ. And so we ask, Father, that those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ to have received this new nature would recognize that the old nature has been done away with, is dead. And whenever we see those things that look to be like the old nature, we ask that you would help us to remember that it is dead. We ask that you would help us to put off and put away and kill the old nature, the anger, the lust, the greed, all of the things that characterize our old nature. Because you have been teaching us throughout our lives about something that happened on that glorious several days when the Lord Jesus Christ buried our old nature. And your spirit is helping us to see that it is gone. We rejoice in the new nature. We rejoice in how you have renewed us in Jesus Christ. But we cannot live out of the new nature without saying goodbye to the old. And Father, thank you that you have shown us during this time of pause that the old is gone. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.